Tony Dupani here from the Patriarchy Podcast. Some of you listening to this episode may be first-time listeners and unfamiliar with our show, so bear with me real quick, long-time listeners, but this next little bit's warranted given the trajectory that this episode took. First and foremost, our show is a show for Christian men. We have plenty of women who listen, also some unbelievers on top of that, but our target audience is squarely Christian men seeking to be better men. Better husbands, better fathers, just better men. And we make no apologies for that. We started the show three years ago because we saw the need to talk about these topics and become better men and take our audience along with us for the ride. That being said, we've always had a good mix of lightheartedness, seriousness, some satire, sometimes an interview, and then practicality to round it out. Where we start with a verse in context with our topic, followed by a lighthearted sandwich segment for laughs, and many episodes have bits where we talk about a video or a soundbite. We always follow it up by the topic at hand, an interview or a dialogue between Joseph and I, and then we end with practical application. This episode started off in the normal manner, as you're about to hear, but along the way, the commentary and the subject matter of the YouTube video took turns we didn't quite expect. So the entire episode ended up a reaction episode to this one YouTube video, which is not something we normally do, but the content of the video we were reacting to definitely warranted the length. And in a culture of short attention spans, it's important that we as men can see things through, even if we disagree. So first-time listeners, give it a full listen all the way to the end. The entirety of the reaction is important, it's very important, and if you're somebody who found this episode in the comments of the video that we're reacting to, it's especially important for you. And if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but the best way to get word to us is to email us at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether you agree or disagree. So I won't belabor the point any longer, but I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're listening, and may we leave you better than when you found us. And without further ado, on with the episode. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. patriarchy. You are male are you saying you have authority over me? Go eat your superior! I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't f***ing say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 shall not lie with a man as with a woman. It is an abomination. And that is Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to the Patriarchy. My name is Tony Dapani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating this fine day? Be honest with you, I'm not eating a sandwich. Oh, that's a shocker. So what what, yeah. what dad joke are you going to give me? It, it's not. This is not. This is a very serious circumstance. Oh, okay, it's serious. All right, serious. You heard it here. My serious. wife won't make me any food anymore. Well, that's 
well, yeah, that's 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 serious. This is not good. This this can't be. You're you're on the uh, Patriarchy podcast. This, yeah, I know. This is not. A, we're gonna have to call some kind of intervention. I haven't been able call to call Eric Kahn and Michael Foster, and we're gonna get you to win. I really haven't been able to figure out what she was upset about. Well, that's okay. And so you know, it's been like it's been like a week, man. I'm pretty hungry. I would. <laughs> okay, I would imagine. I'm not sure how you're alive, but all right. And so, you know, we, we finally, we went to like a therapist today, did some like couples therapy. Okay. And I'm still not exactly sure what she's upset about. I mean, the she, therapist, you know, your money back from therapist, but well, the therapist looked at me and he said, you know, I think she's mad because you never buy her flowers. Okay. Well, I mean, I and don't honestly, know if that's a, I don't know if that's a reason to withhold food, but you know. honestly, I didn't know she sold them. <laughs> but you know what you know what now i understand why she's not making you food <laughs> she's she's dealing she's now starting to deal with what i deal with every week <laughs> i can't even imagine what it's like for her being married to that <laughs> she finally, she finally she, broke, she sold him uh-huh yeah she finally broke man she finally broke you broke her now yeah. you gotta get no food, no more sandwiches. Not that you ever really had a sandwich for this segment, other than like the first episode. But well, nice. she's been sitting here thinking like, I've been thinking like, is she gonna kill me? <laughs> okay, okay, this is getting even worse as it goes on. You might need more than a therapist. <laughs> well, she was showing me um, this thing about this this like a uh, the celebrity. Um, oh, shoot, what's her name? Reese. Uh, uh, got got murdered. Did you see that? Uh, she got killed. Uh, Reese, who is that? Um, I'm not sure. I, I I don't really watch the news much anymore. It's like that. Le- I think it was like Legally Blonde or something. She's in a movie like. No, it was with a knife. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you now. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs> Walk out, slam the door. Uh, you know what, fans? I hope you enjoy this. I hope. I know this is a popular segment. I hope you enjoy my misery. You walking into that willingly, <laughs> get hit right in the face with that baseball bat. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't have a sandwich either. Well, not really. Not like a. It's not an actual sandwich, but I do have an actual food that I ate tonight, and my mom actually made it this time. So, uh, those of you who are listening, this, this episode is recorded a week after um, our, our new baby boy was born, so we have people bringing us food. And my mom brought food. And I kid you not, Joseph, that fans, he, I have not told him what this is ahead of time. Okay, I've not, and I'm not kidding. It's not a cheeseburger muffin. Oh, that's no, 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 you're, yeah. you're going to die laughing. She made, and to be fair, I don't even think she knows my wife makes cheeseburger muffins. She made cheeseburger uh, pie. Cheeseburger so pie. It, it's no it's it's like it's it's basically like a cheeseburger muffin in pie form. Okay, so it's still the you know the crust of it is still kind of like a biscuit something bread whatever, and it's got all of the ingredients of like a cheeseburger in it. And I gotta tell you, it's 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 pretty amazing. It was really good. I I was looking at it. I didn't know what it was, and I bit into it, and I knew my mom had brought it over, and I said to my wife. <laughs> 
what is this? <laughs> she just started smiling. And she goes, it's a cheeseburger pie. And I went, oh, I think my mom is trying to compete with you. I think my mom's, I think my mom's, uh, she's tried, she's tried to win it over and, and, uh, cause you got your cheeseburger muffin and now she's got cheeseburger pie. So uh, does she know about the cheeseburger pie? Did, who does my wife? I mean, no, about the cheeseburger muffin. muffin. Sorry, no, yeah. I actually don't think she does. I, I know my dad does, but dad, you're listening. I know you do. Dad, if you're listening to this episode, which I know you will, uh, text me and tell me whether mom knows about the cheeseburger muffin, but I, I don't think mom actually knows about the cheeseburger muffin. Um, I think. I think only my dad does and probably everybody else in the world that listens to the show. But, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she found out. Maybe she's huh. secretly listening to these episodes. And she's trying to When, I, when I went to McDonald's last time, I got a complimentary uh, cheeseburger. Okay. It said I had nice eyes. I knew you were going somewhere with that. <laughs> okay. Was I saw you typing. Were you looking that joke up as I was talking about this? <laughs> No, I don't have to look my jokes <laughs> yes, up, man. They come do. naturally. Yeah, no, to they me. don't. <laughs> they don't. He's he's got he's got a whole book of these things. Oh my! So yeah, all right. So I had cheeseburger pie. So if anybody wants the recipe for the cheeseburger pie, because I know the cheeseburger muffin was a big thing that you why? put ice cream with it or or like whipped cream. What? No, it's it's still a uh, like a a dinner item. It's not a oh, it's not, it's a not dessert. not dessert. No, 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 no. It's not dessert. It's 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 uh. It's pretty. I mean, it's got some def- literal, but definitely meat to it. Like it's thick. Like it's it's it's, it's, it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's not something I would eat every night if you want to live. But it was quite good. But anyway, I was gonna say it's got you, pickles in it. You want the no, uh, no, oh, okay. no, no, no. If you want the recipe, those of you listening or those of your wives listening, uh, like the cheeseburger muffin, you can always shoot me an email or something, and I get you the recipe. But you know what we should do? We should do a patriarchy recipe book sometime. That'd be, That'd be cool. great. Anyway, all my recipes can just be. The good stories that I have, the, 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 I, truth, well, the truthful stories that I tell. I was going to say they'd be the stories. I don't know that they would be truthful or good, but so yeah. The first time listeners, uh, this is an ongoing thing between Joseph and I that he never has a real sandwich. He just has really bad jokes, and I walk into them like a brick wall, and everybody laughs at my expense, and then we move on. So speaking of moving on, we're going to move on to a. Well, we've had this segment before. I don't know if we've had it in a while, but we've we've had it before. At the intersection of woke and bespoke. All right, this comes to us uh, via YouTube uh, from someplace called Commons Church. What's broke is using bad interpretations of clobber verses. What's woke is using better interpretations of difficult verses to understand the nuance. Bespoke is understanding that a hermeneutic of proof texting is not helping anyone. I already hate this video. Yeah. Uh, the nuance. You have to understand the nuance. I know. That's the between, I'm trying to be fair, but between the voice, because it's there, and him using nuance and bespoke and all the stuff I'm... Okay. What's the name of this thing again? It's called the Commons Church? Commons Church. That's the name of the channel. Like the Commons Church? Or no, just... just Commons Church. Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming it's based on someplace somewhere. Anyway, we're going to keep going because I... Do we have to? Because, like... <laughs> I know. There was, the, the worst part was, like, the clobber verses. So you know what's about to happen, right? Whenever somebody speaks about clobber verses, mm-hmm. 
So he's about to talk about homosexuality, right? Yes. Yes, he, yes, he is. <laughs> and so he's going to be very nuanced in that because, you know, well, that's what we really need at this particular point in time. All right. Ready? We're going to do Bring this? on the nuance. <laughs> Here we go. So this article has been making the rounds. The question is, is homosexuality, has that been part of our Bible since the beginning? And what's going on in the article is that they are looking at different translations of some of the contentious verses around homosexuality in the Bible and looking at how they have been translated over the years. Now, that is a really interesting way to think about this. There's some really good thought and inquiry that's been happening here in this article. But I want to talk about why the situation is a little bit more complex than that and actually why I think we need a better construct or way of approaching this topic if we're really going to allow the Bible to speak to us and shape us the way that it should. So, first of all, the word homosexual enters the conversation in Germany in the 19th century. That's why you don't see homosexual appearing in translations of the Bible before that. Homosexual doesn't enter the English conversation until about the early 20th century, and so it's definitely not surprising that older translations in English don't use it. The question then is, what did they use? Well, they used, at times, the term boy molester. And this is because homosexual didn't... Huh? So, yeah, so here's... This, I've heard this, this is the, uh, this is the new argument, man. So I've been... Uh, we, this is past weekend. Our church went out to their local gay pride event. And I think every year there's probably some new conspiracy theory, some new theory by uh, gay revisionists to mm. try to sodomize the Bible, like to 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 take out its prohibition against male on male sex and um, also uh, sexual homosexual desires, and so. Every year, there's some new theory. It's almost like I've, I've talked before, like when you go street preaching, you start to hear like these things come in cycles. It's almost like there's like some Sunday school class that atheists and people take <laughs> where they, they learn <laughs> these little arguments and they're, they're just stupid. But this year, this this thing that this guy is going about is the new is the new argument. And so. Um, you know, you always hear the old ones, which are terrible, but this one, the, the new argument is that homosexuality was not in the Bible until the 1940s, 1946, in which some German put it in there. Right. And so, and then English translations added it. And so, uh, the Bible really had nothing to say about homosexuality and, and what we mean by that until 1950s when some you know sneaky person put that in the bible and so before then um it was only dealing with boy abusers right so child molesting so leviticus has only to do with child molesting so this is kind of the the setup here let's keep let's keep a that's uh that's uh indoor 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 here Okay, here we go. 
take on the idea of a part of someone's identity until the 19th and 20th centuries. Before that, homosexual activity was something you did. It wasn't part of who you were. It just wasn't part of how we thought about these things. And so what translators did was they looked at these terms in the Bible, they looked around the culture that surrounded them, and they saw the most pressing expressions of sin and evil they saw, which were those who took advantage of boys. And this is what they read into the text. And that's because the word that we're reading in the New Testament is arsenokoitos, which is a compound word made of two Greek words, man and bed. When you don't have homosexual identity as a cultural framework to draw upon, it's not surprising that the most cultural expression of sin that you can see around you, that you imagine Paul is condemning, is the molestation of young boys. And that's what appears in the text. Stop right there. Okay. All right. So, first of all, notice what he's doing. Now they're no longer translating the text. They're taking this and they're looking for something in their culture, like what is yep. what is evil, and so we'll use that. And and so when you're when you're translating from a word, you are trying to translate the word into the language. And so maybe uh, there is a point that there the the term homosexual had not been invented yet, right? But the concept is old. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the identification of it in a way that we do, because what we've tried to do now is spruce it up and make it into this thing that you identify as, and it is um, an inborn trait. So, and that's that's due to our uh, influences in psychology, especially in so German psychology and all that. But make no mistake about it. If you look through church history, it's not just child molesters, boy abusers that they are uh, condemning. And nor do the translations into the, the European languages all say boy abusers. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I, I took a pause when he said that. Yeah. And especially, so uh, before uh, before the 1940s, you go back. You have the King James. It's talking about men who, uh, uh, men who. Well, let's just pull it up. Pull up for. Uh, uh, so that's from First Corinthians, actually, which is interesting. Um, the the argument I've been able I've been hearing is that this is all dealing with Leviticus, and so people get that all confused. But if you look at it, it's First Corinthians chapter six verse nine, and we'll pull that up in the King James, and you can see, actually what they said, which was translated, you know, way before the uh, 1950s. Yep. You read it? yep. This is, uh, oh boy, I got to go with the King James English here. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor, I'm sorry, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Yeah, so abusers of themselves with mankind. Right. So nothing to do with boys here. Right. And you got to know that phrase of users of yourself with mankind has a, a history as well. Um, you could actually another another uh, good one to look at, um, Tony, is the Genevan Bible. So it goes back a little bit before that. So you can pull up the, the 1599 Genevan yep. Bible. That's what I'm pulling up now. And uh, more of this say. Hey, huh. All right. We got it. Yep. Uh, 
Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor wantons, nor buggers. <laughs> yeah, buggers. <laughs> there you go. And you can go back to older translations and find more and more here. And then if you, you flip over to Romans chapter 1 and you and you do the whole process again there with uh, these older English Bibles, you can do them with also German Bibles. You can do it with Luther's Bible. Um, Luther's Bible is interesting in that it does, uh, uh, in Leviticus, use the word for a young man. Which we, when you get into Leviticus, we can talk about that a little bit more. But so, um, the idea that they were only looking at, well, here's child molesters, and that's how we'll translate it, isn't true. And another way I can tell you that it's not true is that you can read quotes from all throughout church history in which homosexual behavior, homosex sodomy, in fact, it was many times translated in the word sodomy or, or some equivalent of that mm-hmm. um, is condemned. Um, one book in particular by a guy in the 10 hundreds. So, you know, the 11th, the 11th century a guy named Peter Damien wrote a book, which is often called the book of, uh, of Gomorrah. And it was basically a lengthy letter to then the Pope, who at the time was a reformer Pope. And so um, the papacy had gone through a lot of corruption. There were like three or four, there were, you know, like three Popes at the same time and some stuff. And they finally got a guy in there that was reforming. So, um, you know, church history is messy. And um, sometimes there were good Popes and sometimes there were very wicked ones and they seem to get worse and worse, but uh, this one was a reforming pope trying to bring people back. But anyways, Peter Damon writes this book in which he's looking and seeing abuses among the priesthood and the monks with sodomy. And if you want any debunking of the idea that it only refers to child abuse, this book, because it goes into detail about the different levels of sodomy and the different levels of punishment associated with it. I mean, it's without being crude, it talks about whether you're doing it alone. So masturbation or mutual with a man. Um, It it talks about levels where like, uh, well, it talks about anal sex and then, and then like other things that you can do, which are disgusting. And uh, and then it d- does make a distinction between abusing boys, abusing men, or uh, abusing. And here is where what the some of the context is missing on some of this, even these translations that might say child abuse. Here's some of the context missing because it he condemns the, the the priest for abusing their spiritual children. And he's not actually referring to children, but them having sex with their parishioners. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so, I mean, he goes in all that detail in you know the ten hundreds, and in doing that, part of his book actually is defending his argument by going through the history of the church and its decisions about these things prior to him. 
so that these things were already discussed and how to deal with priests and some of the things that they were required to do. Could would they lose their job if they, uh, you know, uh, masturbated or something like that? So, um, so one more time for the listeners, what was the name of the man and the book? Peter Damien, St. Peter Damien, and it's called the book of, uh, of Gomorrah. And, uh, there's a really good translation with a, with a good introduction and some things. It's pretty new, um, which is just so helpful dealing with a lot of clerical abuse, but also letting you see that the church, even in the 10 hundreds had already thought through this. And so sometimes when it was talking about abuse, the abuse of mankind, the whole idea was that anybody committing sodomy is abusing mankind. They're abusing each other. Well, I think it's interesting the the King James translating it, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, just kind of reinforcing the point that this is a sin against not only others, but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's keep listening and see if, see what our, our friend over there at, uh, at, at Mr. Nuance, what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Now, it gets a little more complicated when we go back to the Old Testament because in Leviticus, there is an interesting uh, part of the text here where it says that a man shall not take a male into his bed. And it is interesting because the language changes from man to male. But looking to contemporary rabbis, even those who are LGBTQ affirming, they would say that this word zakar, males, does not refer to a young boy. Uh, That's not what it would have been read to mean in the ancient world. It's certainly not how uh, Jewish peoples would read it today. What it refers to is a man. In fact, if it was a boy, the more common word that we would see there is child, not male. And so this is complicated here because right, the new... T- right. So he, it's think, not he thinks compli- things are very complicated. <laughs> it's not complicated. What, what's complicated, he's actually, maybe when we're done here, he's going to land somewhere. I don't know if I'm going to predict that homosexual acts are sinful, but not necessarily the attraction. The, the attraction. That's he's, probably... He's, he's going to revoice it. He's, he's a side B thing, maybe. Yeah. But, I, I or even right. if you go, maybe if he's stronger than that, there's a clear uncomfortableness with the scriptures on this from him. Well, I feel like he keeps and, saying it's complicated, but the only reason it's complicated is because he's trying to fit his argument into it. Like he's trying to fit his argument into, or, or their argument into all this. And, and then, yeah, it gets complicated because it doesn't fit. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's it, what makes it complicated and to be fair with this gentleman, we, um, cause we're not exactly sure where he's going to line up. Uh, I'm not, haven't listened to the whole thing yet. Um, but to be fair, the reason is, I mean, you have these, so he, he linked to an article to a book that's by a guy named Ed Oxford, who's a gay Christian. Right. Yeah. And, and who wrote a book on how the Bible became anti-gay. And so that's the, the whole, that's pro- it just came out in 2020, which is probably why I'm hearing the argument all over the place. So, but the reason it, it, if it's complicated is simply because we hate God's word yeah, and we complicate it, but it's really not that complicated. Yeah. Like I said, uh, Leviticus doesn't, it uses two different words, man, 
with mail, which not really all that complicated. Still means man with man. Um, it, it can mean young and old, the word male. Exactly. That's, that's but what I was thinking. Yeah. You have to read into it. You have to, you have to read, well, why did he switch the words? Other than maybe it was a choice. And, you know, when you're writing, oftentimes we use yeah, uh, words. different words to vary up in the writing to make our writing more interesting and, and, or in order to really condemn both. Right. It may be in, it does condemn pederasty and homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It's meant to condemn them both. And so um, not really complicated other than that. We want to complicate things and come up with conspiracy theories and all that stuff. So, well, let's keep going. OK, and, and to be fair, hopefully he goes someplace good with us. So, all right, here we go. Testament reading of Arsenikoitas being boy molester as a common reading culturally, then being read back onto the Hebrew reading in Leviticus. And so what we have here is a really complex engagement of ancient languages interacting with cultural norms at different parts in history. And we've actually seen something oddly similar in the work of Naomi Klein that has recently come out. She was researching Victorian era attitudes towards uh, LGBTQ persons and she found these references to men who were put to death for homosexual activity. But what happened is other researchers began looking at the text that she was reading and what they identified there was that these were probably not expressions of homosexuality as we would understand them today, but these were in fact expressions of men who were abusing and molesting boys. The language that was used to describe that in the Victorian era reads to us like homosexuality in our culture today, but probably at the time was not describing consensual monogamous adult relationships at all. Right, you're pointing at me. Yeah. What's up? Uh, all right. So you see what he's just done? To go on the culture route again and some of it. Well, he's reading back into it. Right. This what the gays want to say today is different. Different than yeah, like that's what it meant, that yeah. sodomy stuff in the Old Testament and in, 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 in history, that was just pure sex, and that was or that was child abuse. Right. They're they're never talking about us, you know, our monogamous relationships and marriage and purity, <laughs> which is a total farce. It's yeah. a total lie. Sexual multiple sexual partners is the norm today. Mm-hmm. In the homosexual community, I mean, somewhere, um, I don't remember the last thing I read, but the average number of sexual partners for uh, homosexuals is just huge. Like, you're talking like double digits or more. Well, and to be fair, this whole monogamous relationship thing, even within the whole homosexual debate, is fairly new. And really, if you're looking at it correctly, it was really to get it mainstream. I think I'm being fair enough in saying that. I don't know if you would agree or disagree on that, but it, it, it was a way of getting the public to kind of accept it, I think. Oh, look, we're, we're just like you, but, you know, this man likes a man, this woman likes a woman. But where you're right, in reality, that's not the norm at all. You reading something? Looks like you're reading something. Yeah. Uh, so 
I was reading one study that says that homosexuals or men that have homosexual or bisexual have three times the number of partners as behaviorally heterosexual men. Hmm. So, you know, we're, we're talking not, we're not talking, um, you know, one partner, but even if we are, you know, that's still wrong. Correct. Biblically. But the idea is like somehow it's different now than back then. Mm -hmm. And listen, it is not just child abuse that was, that was criminalized. We have records from Calvin's Geneva on this. We have records from George Washington who hung two men that were found buggering each other in the military during the American revolution. And he hung them. Yep. There was no children involved. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, before the word homosexual was added to the Bible in 1950, up until 1950, it was a felony in all 50 states. Just thinking to practice that, like, why would we sodomy? Have it? Yeah, why would we have that as a as a law? Yeah. So what happens in 1950 is the creation of some justifications, some psychological things added to it. The idea then it becomes a disease and not just a sin, and it goes through the whole thing almost like AA where alcoholism is now, it's a disease and not a sin. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a disease. It's something you're inborn with. And then it's interesting you say that because that actually makes me think of the whole revoice thing. Right. So even with the whole like attraction thing, well, it's like with uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, even when you go to AA, right. What, what's the first thing you have to say? I'm, I'm, my name is, and I'm an alcoholic. You're, You're never not an alcoholic. And it's like with even with the people that are trying to normalize this, they're trying to basically say, well, you're never not gay. Like, it's just you're always just going to be gay. Yeah. All right. We want to finish this out or. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're 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 might as well. Give it its due. About halfway. (laughs) Give it its due. All right. Right halfway through. Here we go. In fact, what it also seems to be is that these men who did molest boys were not, in fact, put to death, but they were given the sentence of death and then were confined to prison. Again, when we read it through our lens, we read it through the cultural understanding today that we have now understanding homosexuality as part of someone's identity. But when we understand the Victorian era and how they understood these things, that's probably not what was even entering their mind. Again, also not what was entering the translators' minds in that 1600 to 1900 era of biblical translation. And so this article is really fascinating. It's really neat to see the ways that biblical translation has evolved over time and the ways that cultural readings shape how the Bible gets translated. I wouldn't call it neat. That's not the word that would <laughs> that I would use. Yeah, he's it's this is post postmodernism. Yeah. It's applied here. And again, um, yeah, there's this attempt now to say this is an inborn trait and it's not the same thing. So the Bible certainly can't be speaking to it. And, and, and as if, if that's where he's going, then yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. Let's, let's, let's see where he's going. But what's going on in this article is probably a more important discussion about translation in the 1600 to 1900 era than actual ancient meanings. 
And so what's going on in the ancient text? Well, I'm going to suggest that probably the most standard reading of the Levitical text is that in the very ancient Semitic world, what's happening in Leviticus is a desire. All right. Well, I, I just wanted to point out some weasel words for our listeners. That this is this is some other things that when you're listening to people, mm-hmm. you should have some discernment. So, but he said, "I want to suggest yes. that probably." Right. Oh, and for listeners, if you want to learn more about weasel words, we had a very early episode on. I think it's called "Talk Like a Man" or "Speak Like a Man," something like that. We talked about weasel words on that. So, go back and listen to that. Anyway. What you're saying, he says, yeah, probably, so I'm just, and, I'm yeah. some suggesting, and it's probabilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, who could know, right? <laughs> I mean, who could really know what is truth? What God's trying to tell us. So, let me give you a suggestion. I think it's, and he's almost, and I could be wrong, but we could see where he's going with it. But I feel like he's almost going the like. He's trying to straddle the fence. So the people that are like, well, it's just this terrible patriarchal you know, misogynistic culture that wrote all this. And he's almost like, well, they probably were just, you know, doing the best they could because there's just this problem that happened and this is the best way they could address it in the culture that they had. Like kind of deal. I feel like he's trying to put a good spin on all of it when it doesn't need a spin. Yep. All right. Let's see where it goes. ...to preserve the male role, the active male role in sex, um, and that a man was not to take on the passive role of a woman. This is the primary thing that a lot of Leviticus is concerned about. Very clear lines, very clear roles, and not crossing boundaries. When we go to Paul... Like boundaries that don't have sex with a man, like that boundary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah probably likely that he is looking around the Greco-Roman world that surrounds him and he is seeing expressions of homosexual activity that is probably dominated by pederasty, which would be something like the molestation of young boys, uh, but would be something that uh, younger boys would enter into uh, willingly, at, at least at the sense that they could. I mean, obviously, this is still predatory. This is not like uh, two consensual adults engaging in a relationship. But All right. All right. So, again, with all that probably, and he's looking around, and then I fear where this is going. they had this stuff going on back then, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we never do any of that stuff, right? The homosexual community is not infatuated or they're not asking you to bring your little boys to parades and watch naked men and and call it normal and have drag queen teach story hour that's not happening right now yeah so i mean it's not like they're doing that nor is it like the whole thing is built around young men like that's the desirable thing to be Mm -hmm. so you have in you have the the bears which are like your like uh hairy kind of dirty men but they're all like trying to abuse they want the twinks man they want the the, or the cubs is another term that they use and like uh man there was this guy that uh, converted a a while back used to have a website um where he described a lot of this stuff coming out of this and he just talked about how once you get past a certain age you're like done like and you're you're um 
you're used up or you become the top instead of the bottom. And then like, and, and, but still like there's this whole cult of youth around homosexual Hmm. porn and all that stuff. And so the idea that this has nothing to do with like, come on, remember Milo? Yeah. Yeah. From remember him talking about that? Like, yeah, Yeah. you know, yeah, there's some pretty disturbing things that he had talked about. And so back when the gay pride events started, there used to be a group that would associate with them a lot and they got a lot of heat from it. So they pushed them back. It was called NAMBLA, North American Man Boy Love Association. And what you need to know is that many of the initial gay pride, gay rights people were and are constantly calling for the lowering of the age of us of of um what do you want to call it the age of assent consent consent there we go yeah well that's not surprising i mean we're, we're basically seeing that come back around again now because just of i mean i'm seeing articles uh all these different things being published about all of these gay pride events trying to say they're family friendly now that's like a huge thing especially this year is this big like family friendly invite your kids and then it also if you read the articles it's absolutely disgusting and it's super disturbing because it talks about basically preparing your little child to see grown men naked and then to also possibly participate and there's like there was one place that had a i I think it was a bar or something like that Essentially, it was basically a gay strip club is basically what it was. And they had a whole family-friendly night. And you they brought kids, little kids, and they got these kids up on stage. And the first thing they did on stage, I think they just, they, they had like an open mic thing or whatever to kind of basically get them used to being on stage. And then the next thing they did was ask them if they wanted to do a catwalk, like the drag queens, like on stage. And then, then the next thing was going on is they were basically like, essentially doing strip dances without actually stripping on, you know, like gyrating and everything else. It's absolutely disgusting. And so to say that that's not what they're after is just an absolute lie. Yeah. One of those articles was like, should I bring my kid to a gay pride? And what if they're, uh, uh, kink and stuff like that going on there? And I was like, yes, you should. And no, we shouldn't make these family friendly. Like, your child just needs to get used to seeing penises and stuff. Yeah, that's and, I know. And that's that's just funny because, yeah, you see, like what I was saying, half of it, the family-friendly thing, and the other half of it is just like, ah, they'll, or they'll just lie. It's already family-friendly. Your kid just needs to get used to it. And it's, it's, yeah. it's disgusting. So, all right, keep going. All right, here we go. It's not, it was just part of the culture at the time. So he's condemning that. But he's probably combining that with this Levitical Jewish understanding that he's deeply shaped by, that any act of uh, male sexuality should be the active role only, not the passive role. And he's- You see what he did there? He, the whole he's deeply shaped by it? Like it's, like his, his entire upbringing as a Jew in ancient Israel under God's law, you know, it's, it's like it's a separate thing from from God's law. Like, it's just, oh, this is just an opinion. This is just cultural thing. I, I, well, he is emphasizing to the, the extent of de-emphasizing something. So he's emphasizing Paul's humanity, mm-hmm. right? Paul's human. And so he, God chose humans to write scripture. It does bring their human influences and stuff. 
But he's emphasizing so much of that. And what he's not emphasized is that scripture is God breathed. God breathed, yeah. And so this is all talked as if God has nothing to do with all this. This is just human constructs and stuff. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Combining that together by essentially creating this word arsenikoitos. So what, what do we do with that then? If the ancient view of Leviticus is preserving a particular sex act for men, and Paul is, is really condemning any expressions of homosexual activity that he kind of imagines in his world. Mm, there it is again. How did, how did he know what Paul imagines in his world? Because we can read anything we want into the Bible now. This is all imaginary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. I knew I wasn't going to like this video. <laughs> all right. Should we then continue with that? And does finding a better reading of these specific verses move us forward? Well, I want to suggest that no, it doesn't. And actually, what we need to be most concerned with is not trying to find better readings of difficult verses, but instead what we actually need to do is embed ourselves so deeply in the narrative trajectory of the biblical story that we can come to interpret new cultural moments as we engage them. I really had hope there for a minute. I really had hope. I was saying that was the gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, at the end, no, but what I meant is when he started to say what we really need to do, I, I was like, really? Is he, is he going to go back and just be like, what we need to do so is this just is another read the Bible. One. But then he went this off the yeah, this yeah. is an, It's interesting. This is another one of the, the, the gay side B kind of things where really the gospel, I mean, the, sorry, the Bible is progressive revelation and it's moving forward and it's our job to keep moving it forward. And so we if we embed ourselves in the narrative thought and yeah. the narrative, then when we get to our circumstances, which are completely different than the world's, like we get to our circumstances, which are, you know, we would never have child molesting. We would never have just all the things that Paul had to deal with or the people, uh, you know, we're, we're so far advanced from the time of Moses and <laughs> we'd Leviticus. never sacrifice our children. We never, we never do any of these things, oh, but we have our own issues to deal with. So we've got to embed ourselves in the Bible and then with the narrative, and then we might be able to come up with a way to possibly, May I, might I suggest deal with what we're dealing with? So, well, let's let's keep let's see how he his suggestion and possibilities. Mm. There's a lot of possibilities with his suggestion. <laughs> the right. world is a place of possibilities. There you go. All right. Okay. All right. Let's give him a chance. The truth is, the Levitical passages, the passages from Paul, are not dealing with the same types of homosexual relationships we are encountering today. There it is. There's the possibilities, man. <laughs> it's a world of possibilities. There it is. And that's the truth. That's what he says. All right, keep going. So it doesn't matter really how we read them if we're looking. Oh, my goodness. Why? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. It just doesn't apply to us. The Bible is not applicable to us in our circumstances because don't you know? 
Gosh darn it. We're good people and we like ourselves. I I I really thought there's a couple points here where he actually was going to go someplace good with it and I I maybe that's why I'm just getting so upset with it. Oh, he's still probably going to side, you know, he's still going to try to come out in the sweet spot here. I told you. So, no, I, that's what I said. He's going he's going to ride the fence until it cuts him in half, but we're we'll get there. Proof texts within the Bible, and we're not being informed by the larger narrative of the biblical arc, well, then we're always going to be trapped in the same cycle of needing a verse to tell us how to act, who to accept, who to believe, and who to love in any given situation. And that is simply untenable. That's not how ancient scriptures work. They work. Scriptures. What do you call them? Ancient what? Scriptures, plural. That's not how ancient scriptures work, man. So, and cause... and and he didn't say ancient biblical texts. He said ancient scriptures. So, I'm really interested to see what he's about to say. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Giving us a narrative to live out of. They work by pointing us ultimately towards the person of Jesus who gives us an ethic of love to get behind, to embed somewhere deep inside of us, and then to move through the world, engaging our culture at every moment. Is that it? No, it's not. I just. Oh, keep going. Keep I just, going. Keep I going. just was sighing very loudly. I can only digest so much of that at a time. Okay. It's just, it's so hard to listen to somebody mutilate the message of the Bible. I mean, just. So I, this man, at this point, I must, is, you know, he's a false teacher. Absolutely. He's the kind of people that Jude warns about. Leading people away into their sins, tickling your ears, He's tickling your ears, giving you what you want to hear. My goodness, that's just... while technically trying not to. Probably you know, he can technically say he's speaking the truth about what the Bible condemns. You know, it condemns something. Probably, but <laughs> probably, but you know, that's really not what we're dealing with today. And so, yeah. Okay. Oh, man. All right. We got All right. Like, uh, Keep going. How much is so left? We got like garbage. a minute, a minute and a half left of this. All oh, right. Shoot goodness. me now. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. The Bible is written in a particular culture, in a context. That's okay. That doesn't mean it can't inform us, it can't invite us, it can't be what the Spirit uses to invite us into a loving, more just, more inclusive narrative of the world. But it does Stop. call. Oh, there it is. So, it invites us. It's inviting you in, man. What else does it do? It just invites you into inclusive. There was an invitation. Nothing about God commanding you. Yep. Yeah, it's an an invitation. It's not a command. It's just, hey. God has invited you into. God sent that little invite in the mail. It's almost like God has invited you into the Trinity so that you with your wisdom and your application of today can be part of the narrative and decide what you want to do. Yeah. Cause well, I mean, you have to be you, part of the narrative. You have to be has, part of the narrative. Yeah. You, you're the one who's pushing that yeah. narrative forward. Not God. You, we are the ones that we've been waiting for. I mean, as Obama <laughs> has said, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, or another person is, you know, when you eat of this fruit, You'll be wise and your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, determining good from evil. I, I, I would love to look up later 
if this church is like a, a Unitarian church or something. No, I don't think so. I think it's a mega church kind of. So it's um, a Unitarian church. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to pull punches on that. I, I, I'm sure there are a couple mega churches that are, but in general, they're they're so inclusive half the time. But okay, uh, here we go. Let's let's finish this out. Us to engage with the Bible with a wisdom perspective, not a proof text perspective. This is what the Bible is asking for us. Do we understand the story of Jesus so deeply? Is his ethic of love embedded somewhere deep in our bones? Do we believe that Jesus is really the only exact representation of the divine in history? And does that allow us then to engage with new cultural moments all the time? This is what it means to follow Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my suggestions <laughs> opinions probably my no. possibilities if you love me you will probably keep my suggestions my possibility you will you will embed you will embed my suggestions into your bones and probably be part of the narrative to be inclusive to all history because I don't know where I'm going with that, and I don't think he because does either. love is love. Love is love, whatever. Gay is gay. Oh, this is gay. This whole thing is gay. All right, we got All like right, a here. Oh, let's finally finish this out. Be done with it. It's not to worship the Bible. It's not to go back and need a proof text for every new situation. It's to have Jesus living in you and through you, including welcoming, listening, embracing those around you in new ways, and allowing the ethic of love to guide you every step of the way. Using the Bible as a weapon is bad. That whole double-edged sword thing? This is disgusting. It's satanic, man. Because it's, can you not hear the siren song there? Even his voice is like luring you Mm -hmm. in to your love. And this is the junk that people can get led astray by. People that might have some desire for the Bible and they're just not having any discernment, haven't been taught. Because it sounds legit like, oh, he didn't say the Bible said being committing homosexual acts were wrong it sounds like but he's just telling us to be loving and inclusive and and you can't use the bible as a weapon and so what he's done he's done two things he's said what is good is what is evil is good to be approved and what is good is evil because he's just condemned the bible as commands the bible speaking calling people to repentance, warning. He's just condemned in a sneaky and very sly and wicked way. This man has done the work of the devil in this. And you can tell it by reading the comments. Because I didn't even read them yet. I didn't even want to go there. Yeah, well, yeah you don't ever want to read YouTube comments anyways. But That's true, you can yeah. tell. This does the work. It just goes down. This poison goes down smooth. And make God deal with him because it, it. This is the kind of stuff that when when I go out to preach at the gay pride thing, there are people enslaved into that sin who are destroying their body. Right, their body is either going to get AIDS, HIV, herpes, gonorrhea, chlamydia, uh, a ton of other. STDs, they'll get incontinence when they practice homosex. They'll have 
all kinds of problems with their bodies and their minds are being destroyed with all kinds of, you know, um, anxiety, a lot, often abuse. These so-called monogamous relationships have abuse, like lesbian relationships are just through the roof with abuse with uh, a spouse or if they're called spouses, you know what I mean? What do you want to call it? Partnership abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, domestic abuse is what I'm looking for. And they're just rampant with this. But even more important than that is their their souls. The souls of these little children who get brought to these places are being corrupted. The souls of people, these a lot of times teenagers, man, who are being caught in this and they're lit they on YouTube and they're searching and they find this guy and their soul is being turned over to hell because this guy thinks that he can twist scripture and manipulate it for his own gain so that he doesn't have to look like the bad guy. And so he can play both sides of the fence and lead people to hell. Yep. All right. He's got 20 seconds left of his future dribble. So let's at least see it to the end. Nuance into the Bible is good, but ultimately it's understanding a hermeneutic of narrative trajectory, allowing the Bible to be what shapes us and then allow that to have us interact with the world around us that will really have us encountering and living through the story of Jesus. That's the end of his dribble. Yeah, as I said, you know, these men, it's like they're, they're Jude. Right. Yep. Hidden reefs in your love fest. They. Well, like you said, you're going to have especially young people, but anybody really find this on YouTube, and they're going to get led astray because yeah, you're right. There's there could be people out there that, you know, uh, trying to be as gracious as I can. That they they want to, they want to love God. They want to be loving to their neighbor. They you know at least know those commands, and they can if they don't. If they don't have an actual good shepherd with them and they don't read their Bible the way they should and, and they're, uh, I guess I'm trying to be nice here, um, spiritual babies, you know, um, they, yeah, they absolutely could be led astray by this guy. And this guy... Uh, how many views is on this thing? How many views? I don't want to um, know, but it's going to make me sad. But tell uh, me. Basically, about 55,000. Man. 2,000 likes. Yeah. So this is just... 1,600 comments. So. Yep, it's just, and it, it'll, it'll be used now. It's well, this is only in, a couple of years old. This is uh, 2019, so. Yeah, and it'll entrench people into their to their set even more. And it ought to break your heart. So when it you does. talk, when we're, when, we're, when we're dealing with this sin, yeah, we've mocked and stuff like the effeminacy ruins everything, and we use humor. Mm-hmm. And some of the times the reason we use humor is because it is just so evil. Yeah, that, it, can, it can be hard because you're. It's like with the the abortion fight too. There's times when you, it just it's so dark that uh, yeah, it can it can kind of get get to you. But yeah, and well, and and you know, sometimes the the evil takes itself so seriously that you have to to mock it. Yeah, to mock it. But on this case, man, um, I, I'm just angry at this man because. This is the stuff that leads people astray, man. I, I I had a friend who I deeply loved, and I wish I could go back in history 
and have been more of a gospel witness and truth about homosexuality instead of, I didn't quite do what this guy did, but I was still kind of like, I just wasn't firm that you need to repent. This is going to lead you to hell. Um, and I just think this is the stuff that leads people and and keeps them in their sins, and it gives them the veneer that God approves. And there's going to come a day when they'll stand before God, and they will give an account, the people that listen to this garbage, and they'll be tossed into hell. But how much more this man, if he doesn't repent? Oh, man, oh, man. man. Yeah. And, and all the false teachers in. and churches that affirm this crap, they're leading others to hell. And they're doing it with a smile. That's what yeah. is probably the most rage inducing thing is is the way this I was annoyed up until a point and then yeah, you get about mm, three quarters of the way in, I think is when you and I both started getting really angry at this, because there's just this point where he's so slimy and slick with it and he's smiling the whole way through. And yeah, you just got to think of all these people. Uh, how many of these people in the comments? How many of these people that viewed this video? How many people that like this video? Especially people that like the video. 2,000 people since 2019. And the people in his church are spreading this garbage. Yeah. This is what's being spread. And uh, what's going to happen, it will happen like just recently, this past Saturday, some woman came up to us. We were done, and she came up and standing to us and was like, are you going to be here next year? And I said, if they do it, yeah. She said, I'll be here too, and I'll have my speaker and my microphone, and I'll be speaking out against what you guys are saying. And then she went on some tirade about Leviticus and and the same kind of new argument, which this guy actually defeats her argument a little bit. But um, then she claimed to be a Christian. Hmm. And she was kind. She was loud and brash at times, but she wasn't cussing and stuff. Wasn't and you can just see that she probably had grown up going. She said going to some Baptist church, and and then her son was there, and he was gay, and she was defending him, and I was talking to him, and just the look on his face was like you know he knew he knew. And yet here she is defending the whole thing, which gives him more, you know, makes it harder on him. And she had no clue what she's talking about, but she got that somewhere, probably in some church where, you know, Jesus loves everybody. The church that Jesus loves you so much. <laughs> from the from our matriarchy bit, yeah. It breaks your heart. It makes you mad. But if if you love people, which we ought to. Mm-hmm. And we ought to love people that are caught in their sins. We ought to have some compassion and pity on them. Um, there's a wrong kind of pity, pity which removes sin without them actually going to Christ, which we can't do. But there's good pity, which should really just should it should just tick you off about the this thing. So, um, well, I'll tell you anyways, what. So. We actually been going for an hour on this. We do have an article we wanted to talk about, but what do you think about making this a two-parter? 
Sure. Let's, uh, yeah, let's uh, come back and maybe we can deal with another, since it's Pride Month, it'd be good to deal with another um, argument that usually arises as well. Yeah, but I be, guess to be fair, we didn't actually plan on going this long on this video, but neither of us had actually listened to until the end. And uh, I think it was good to do this, but we do have uh, something we want to talk about else. Yeah, yeah. So there's other stuff that we can get into. But I, I think if I was going to summarize what we've got here is like, I, I can speak for myself and I think for you looking at your face, just how angry it makes us and how sad. Mm. And so what can our listeners take away from this is I think you need to have pity on homosexuals, godly pity, not, um, and that includes like hating sin and hating sinners. Bible calls us to do that, but just pity that there are shepherds out there that won't lead the flocks and the flocks get devoured. And so, um, well, they'll lead them, but yeah. they won't lead them where they should go. That's what I mean. Yeah, they won't lead them in God's way. And so I, I guess if I was going to apply this message I would or this episode, pray. Pray imprecatory prayers over these false teachers and get wise. Get wise on the ways that the serpent is so sneaky and his deception and is so real. And uh, he would deceive the elect if he could i will say go back uh, to our listeners i do actually think again go back and listen to our episode on uh how to talk like a man um it was a very early one i think it was called talk like a man or speak like a man but um i think accompanied with this episode that'd be good because that'll help i know that whole episode actually was it was good for me it helped me look for things and how people talk how people you know, use their voice, the, the adjectives they choose to say or don't choose to say. So go back and listen to that too. Um, but I think that'd be helpful, but yeah, good, good summary, Joseph. So, all right. So we're going to end this episode for right here, but we will do another part of this episode, uh, for our, our next, uh, next episode of the patriarchy podcast, at least, I don't know what our next after the sandwich will be, but so, um, here's the thing. So if you have somebody in your life that you think this would be beneficial for, Maybe you have another Christian who goes to a church that affirms this kind of stuff um, or, or somebody who maybe has made some of these arguments or something. If you think this would be helpful, please send this to them. Share it to them on social media or, or send it to them in an email or something like that um, if you think it would be beneficial to them. Um, if, if you think somebody else would be, it would benefit listening to us, share our show with them. Um, we would like to continue to grow our audience, not because we want to be some kind of like big idols or anything like that, but just because... We're trying to do something we feel is beneficial here, and we're trying to do something to make us all better men and uh, get us closer in our walk with God and help us in our sanctification. So if you would, please share this episode. Please share our show. Uh, but with that being said, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call for you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy. 